2: Welcome in, Rob Black, and your money. Talking about keeping you to retirement. Doing it on a day-by-day basis. Um, What do you want your retirement to look like? I can tell you what I don't want mine to look like, and this is just me being me. I don't want it to be in a trailer park. I don't want to have no financial options. I want to have financial options. I want to have life options. I run five miles a day, hopefully, so that I can live till I'm 75, 80 years old, um, in good health. I don't want—I want to keep my health as long as I can, because once it's gone, it's gone. And uh, I don't want to be that guy. Tuesday was a crazy day. Today's not Tuesday. Today's Wednesday. Not so much because of what happened in the stock market, but because of what happened in the treasury market. The rally in the stock market and the pummeling in the treasury market caught a lot of people by surprise and they probably helped each other do what they did. Very low volume, very tight liquidity, technical factors are part of it. What does this all mean heading into the Federal Open Market Committee meeting on Thursday? Markets did well yesterday, stock markets. Bond markets got, you know, a flight to safety and and pushed yields lower. A lot of short covering going on, probably in retail accounts. Um, I don't honestly know what to make of the flight to safety. It's all happening 48 hours before the Fed. And whether they raise rates or not raising rates, telling me that the move that we think is going to happen, may already be built in. So if you think stocks rally, if the Fed does nothing, maybe they've already rallied. A lot of people have deemed the move to be an expression of the belief that the Fed will raise the Fed fund rates at its September meeting. The weakness of the back end of the curve was still read by others as an indication that the Fed is likely to keep Fed fund rates unchanged thereby potentially inviting inflation it's like whoa we're getting a lot of mixed signals right now um some people think broad-based selling is a function of rotating out of bonds and into stocks and or the work of foreign central banks looking to raise reserves to defend their currencies i.e three or four years ago if you were listening to the show A lot of people talked about how China's buying all the American bonds. China's buying all the American bonds. China's buying all the American bonds. People were scared. Like, what's that mean? Does China own the United States? No. Probably what it meant was that they felt comfortable in our currency. They felt comfortable with our debt. You could say a lot of things about the United States, but we've always paid our debt. So maybe now that their stock market's getting crunched, maybe they're selling some of our American debt, raising cash, and uh, repatriating back to their own country and buying their, their own stocks or supporting their own stock market. FedEx is reporting its fiscal first quarter results And they said it is, quote, performing solidly given weaker-than-expected economic conditions, especially in manufacturing and global trade. FedEx is an important company to study because they're obviously telling us a lot about business. And they said it very, very clearly that business isn't great in the U.S., especially in manufacturing and global trade. The CPI, the Consumer Price Index, came out as expected. The CPI declined one-tenth of a percent on the back of uh, a drop in energy prices, gasoline prices, essentially. Consumer Price Index, things that you and I pay for. Over the last 12 months, the CPI is up two-tenths of a percent, so there's not a lot of inflation. So that's the basic roundup of where we are at this point in time in the day. Microsoft raises its quarterly dividend, 16% to 36 cents a share. People tend to like dividend increases. I like women with teeth. Some people like with dividends. Elsewhere out there, S.A.B. Miller, here comes the bud, here comes the bud, the king, or here comes the king, here comes the king, the king of beers. How did that song go? Um, But huge deal with Anheuser-Busch and InBev. Uh, Anheuser-Busch InBev said it's it's been approached by S.A.B. Miller about a takeover, paving the way for a deal that would likely value S.A.B. Miller well in excess of $75 billion. That's a big beer company. That's a big beer company. London listed SAB Miller said InBev has informed SAB Miller that it intends to make a proposal to acquire the company. It's going to require an enormous, enormous amount of cash. SAB Miller makes over 200 beers. Peroni, Pilsner, Urkel, Grolsch. They operate on six continents. Anheuser-Busch InBev makes Budweiser and Bud Light, in the world's largest—they're uh, the world's largest brewer by market share—with n- major operations around the world, 155,000 employees. In the United States, InBev and Miller Coors got a joint venture. Sab has a venture with Molson Coors. They control about 70% of the market by volume. Combining the group's two footprints in its current formation. It amounts roughly 30% of the world's beer market. Beer. It does body good. Beer. You could invest in beer. Here comes the
1: king. Here comes the big number one. Here comes the king. But why the beer the king is second to none. When you say but. One taste of will so
2: Don't you love this? It could be the year's largest acquisition. There's a lot of deal fervor with the global mergers and acquisitions market on pace to hit the highest levels on record. Ultimately, there's been about $3.2 trillion worth of deals globally this year, up 29% from last year. Is it the end of cheap money? Maybe. Other stories of note, HP is going to cut up to 30,000 jobs from their enterprise unit, and they're going to move those jobs... To low-cost areas like Costa Rica and Bulgaria. Here's where I'm just being totally honest with you. If you were to pay me one million dollars right now, can I find Bulgaria on a map? I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I can find Costa Rica, but I can't find Bulgaria. <laughs> So Hewlett-Packard said uh, yesterday afternoon that they're going to cut 30,000 jobs. That means they're going to cut about $2.7 billion in annual costs. That's about 10% of the workforce. Wow. They're splitting the company, Uh, Enterprise, and the company focuses on software and services on November 1. The cuts will result in a charge of $2.7 billion. Wall Street loves this. 75 year old company. Oof. Not sure what those original founders are thinking in the grave these days. I'm Rob Blackcock, and all things financial, money, investing, and more.
1: To Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. It could be real estate, it could be financial planning. Give you a whole lot of love. Uh, you tell me, Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Um, some top stories of the day include the U.S. is likely going to raise interest rates tomorrow. Hewlett-Packard has been cut, is going to cut up to 30000 jobs from its enterprise unit. Consumer prices dipped in August, which says, hey, there's not a lot of inflation. It's a good thing. SAB Miller gets a takeover approach from Anheuser-Busch. That would be a monster your company, which it's okay to invest in beer. I know they're sins, but alcohol sins, but uh, sin investing works over time. The Kardashians and the Jenner apps are already on pace to make an insane $32 million this year. Wow. Michael Jordan now makes more money each year than he did in his entire NBA career. <laughs> Life is good. Let's talk to CFP, Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, host of the show Focus on Wealth, heard here dailies from noon to 1 on AM 1220, KDOW. In the 1980s and 1990s, there was this big push of, you know, get as much money as you can in your portfolios and get it as big as you can. And, you know, during that time, there's always been talk of Social Security is going to run out, and there's that specter of that. And then there's bear markets that happened in the 2000s where a lot of people who are baby boomers now starting to retire are seeing that their their 401k kind of got thrashed a little bit. So there's that specter, this fear. One of the things you could do to make sure you don't run out of money, or try not to run out of money, or make your money last as long as possible, is kind of maximizing Social Security, which is not something people think about, Chad. That's not in pe- most people's heads maximizing Social Security because they're they're worried about retirement. Right. They're not worried about like ooh, I can delay a couple of years of taking it. Let's talk about some ideas on, on delaying because you get more the well, longer you wait.
3: The, the delaying piece is simple. It's because the, if you look at the rates of return on your money and how much you get as long as you live till a normal life expectancy, so into your 80s. Okay. If you wait from your full retirement age, which is probably 66 if you're retiring soon, to 70 and you hold off and take Social Security, it's an 8% rate of return on your money approximately. So that's a big return on your money. And it's something you have to consider when bond rates and CD rates are so low. So it's the safe source of your income. I always say you want to get 20 to 30% of your gross income needs from sources you can't outlive. Okay. That could be Social Security. That could be pension. That could be some type of a uh, product that guarantees income for the rest of your life. You need 20 to 30%, so you're kind of your safety net. Um, but there's other strategies. There is the file and suspend strategy. Um, What's that? Well – uh, that's where you can go in and say, I'm going to file for Social Security, but I'm going to suspend my payments until age 70. So if you're let's say you're single and you do okay. that, you could just do nothing until you're 70. And when you get to 70, you'll get the same amount of money. Okay. But if you go in and file and suspend at 66 um, and then wait, let's say at 68, you get diagnosed with cancer. and You wish you would have taken it early. Yep. You can go back and get a lump sum and then start it as if you were 66. Wow. So there's, it's kind of like an insurance policy. I want to delay, but in case, I'm going to file and suspend. What's the negatives? Uh, there's really not a negative okay. to it. The other issue, if you're married, you can file and suspend. That qualifies your spouse, who might have – she might have had her own benefit. Right. She can then take spousal benefits, and then at 70, she can switch to her own. So it's like sucking extra money out of Social Security. Okay. Um, kind of
2: a complicated idea. Can you repeat that one more time? So yeah.
3: So let's say <clears throat> I you am 66 wife. years old. Right. I'll married Married. Uh, let's say the wife is – Close to the same age, maybe okay. a couple years younger. Okay. Um, what we both worked, we both got a decent size Social Security benefit. Okay. What you can do is I can go in at 66, file and suspend. So I have a file, but hey, I'm not taking it until I'm 70. That opens up the door for her to take spousal benefits based on my income.
2: Okay, currently
3: at current time. Okay. Right, which is going to be 50% of what I would would have get been okay. taking, approximately anywhere from 40 to 50%. Um, of what I would have taken if I would start at sixty six, and then at, ta- she, at seventy she goes back in and changes her mind and files for her own benefits. Gotcha. That allows her own benefits to increase. Gotcha. And then at seventy, I turn on the tap for my benefits, and that's a huge amount of money. You're talking hundred thousand dollars plus by the if you live till you're eighty six years old. What
2: if you file and suspend and die? So you file and suspend at sixty six. You're, you're gonna you're gonna go back and you're gonna you know.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you file to suspend your 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 spouse would have been taking spousal benefits. Okay. And then. What happens is when you pass away, they can. You, there's some widower benefits that they could take, uh-huh. so they might just stay on that. And then at 70, they would end up with your check if it's higher or her check if it's higher. So you always end up with the higher check as a surviving spouse. Anything else that you want to come to? But if you're a person that all the money that you saved up is in pre-tax 401K, it might be a different strategy than somebody that has after-tax dollars to get at while they're waiting to take Social Security. So you run the Social Security analysis. There's software out there that does it. Um, but then you look at your personal situation, your personal tax situation. Um, people that are looking for plan B options that don't have enough to retire, but they're forced into it. Yep. Uh, don't be afraid to look at a reverse mortgage to help you put off taking your Social Security.
2: I'm with you. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. to get your calls on the air. HomeBuilder sentiment hits 62 in September. That's the highest reading since 2005. Whole Foods is selling coffee for 25 cents a cup. Wow, not too shabby. The hope is that you get folks to come in for the cheap coffee. They browse around. They're tempted to buy a sandwich, maybe some organic granola, some overpriced spices. Uh, It's essentially a loss leader for the company. Uh, Loss leaders are important. Companies like Microsoft and their Xbox will come out and they lose money on the hardware during the first year until they get the technology under control and mass marketed and mass produced. Um, But they get you on the games in year two, three, four, and five Um, as you continue to buy new software and they license that technology to the game makers. So the Warriors hired... Steve Nash, to work with player development. Um, I think it's a good move. Um, he was a great NBA player, and when you're, all, when you're good, when you're great, and you're looking to become greater, I, I think that really tells you how smart of a company they are. Big retailers and delivery firms are struggling to find holiday workers. So find enough seasonal workers when unemployment's at a five-year, six-year low, it's, it's pretty brutal. Who wants that work uh, when you already have a job? Uh, desperate and in debt, 30% millennials would sell an organ to get rid of student loans. How far would you go to erase your loans? Um, I know some people that did some crazy things to pay for college. Some people would do things like becoming a Domino's delivery driver. Other people would work at a bikini bar. Like, whoa. Who, know? Who knew? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
1: Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Dr. More. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. <laughs> 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 Briefing. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Oh, pretty good. How are you- I'm well. Thanks for asking. Um, obviously, Fed meeting today slash tomorrow, interest rates, being the topic on everyone's mind, what do you think is going to happen? You
4: know, it, it's one of those that I'm, I'm, my call is that there's going to be no change in policy and that the, the first rate hike won't take place until at least December. But, I mean, reality is that a coin flip is is the best guess. Uh, when I was talking with Bloomberg last night. They sent me a, an email to um, get my view and, and to put my view into their consensus, and I asked them for what their results were. And they said that, uh, you know, as I was leaving work, 111 people responded to their survey. And 57 people uh, said that there would be no rate hike. And 54 people said there would be a rate hike. So we're talking, you know, at the slimmest of margins here on what the expectations are. You look at the futures market, you know, and it's a little bit more shocking. Right now, I think that the futures were predicting an interest rate hike at only 23%. So that's quite a bit lower than what uh, most economists are expecting, which is you know close to 50-50. So, you know, even though uh, you know I believe that the, the Fed will hold off, you know, that's my call. Uh, it wouldn't be shocking to me if uh, the Fed decides to go ahead. I, I don't think it's going to be that much of a difference in terms of uh, economic growth um, trends in the future. But uh, you may get a little bit more reaction from the equity markets and a lot more reaction from the Treasury markets because it looks like the people that are actually involved in those markets aren't uh, aren't looking for a rate hike tomorrow.
2: Interesting, because my thought would have been, doesn't the equity market kind of know it's going to be happening? We've been talking about this not for months, but for years, what will happen when the Fed raises rates. Uh, I would have thought it was built into the cake, so to speak, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I mean, um, that's what you would expect because
4: I mean, especially with the idea among economists, among the consensus, among talking heads on TV, that you know, it, it's a very good possibility that it comes tomorrow. You know, it, it's not a you know, it, it's a fifty-fifty shot in, in, from what most people are saying. But the people that are involved in, in the money aspect, if you look at the futures, which is based on trading, you know, it's not based on anything else. You know, the people that are putting money to work, they're not showing that same enthusiasm, which makes things a lot more difficult.
2: So taking a look at some other issues of the day, inflation, consumer price inflation seem pretty muted. Will that be enough to say things are going well in the United States? We probably don't need to raise rates. Or is well, the inflation the, numbers just The, the sector? going
4: to say that inflation lags uh, is a, bit of a lag on economic growth. So, you know, first you need to have rate you need to have wage growth to spur the inflation gains. So the fact that uh, inflation today is still trending at that 1.8 percent, which is the uh, core CPI year over year number, uh, they can say that. Um, We looked at the number of job openings, for example, that that came out uh, last week. And, you know, there's 5.8 million jobs open. And businesses are going to need to fill those jobs. And the only way to fill those jobs is either to, you know, raise wages to attract workers. And if that's going to happen, then you would have upward pressure on inflation that would be coming up, you know, around the bend. So the Fed would be looking at that and say, well, we want to get ahead of, you know, the potential for inflation growth in raising rates twenty five basis points doesn't put too much downward pressure on overall economic growth trends, but it does give a little bit of a cushion uh to prevent inflation gains from, you know, quote, getting out of control. Now I don't know if that's actually gonna happen. I mean reality is, you know, commodity prices are are, are trending downwards, you know, global economic growth is trending softer. So you know, do I really believe that you know, rise in wages is going to necessarily produce a massive rise in inflation? Probably not, because can, uh, producer prices still remain constrained. So, yeah, you know, that's what the Fed's going to be looking for. I don't know if it's necessarily there. I don't think that the, the data is there, but you know, the Fed could say that you know, even though inflation's not a trend and even though inflation hasn't been a trend for quite a long time you know they believe that it's going to be you know getting the trend and because they believe it's going to get to trend they're moving out ahead and, and going to raise rates
2: I've heard a recent uh, not, uh, not, I'm not going to say analogy but <clears throat> an assertion that the fed raising rates now would be akin to what they did right before the Great Depression when the global economies are slowing Raising rates is a bad idea. Are we disconnected from the global economies, or is this going to have ramifications that could be potentially negative, like the Great Depression era it, when the Fed difficult. raised rates? It's You
4: know, it's, it's it's an analogy that that is makes sense. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, what happened back in the 1930s. You know, raising rates before the economy really was in a position to raise rates, but, you know my Great Depression history is, isn't the best, but if I recall, I mean, they raised rates faster back then than what's going on now, and you also had a bunch of uh, tariff situations and whatnot to make global trade harder, so things were a little bit more um, exacerbated by the rate hike, where compared to today, I, I don't think the rate hike is going to have nearly as much of a negative effect as it, as it did back then. Now, you know, if you look at the 10-year People still don't believe that rates are going to keep moving up, up, up over, uh, you know, consecutive uh, FOMC meetings. You know, they believe that they're going to be patient. So if that trend is true, and, and Janet Yellen has is, is quite, you know, stated that, that rate rises are going to be in a much more deliberate and patient cycle in, in this uh, tightening period, if that's the case then you know a 25 basis point move in September versus a 25 basis point move in December doesn't have that much of a difference because the next 25 basis point move may not happen you know for another 6 to 9 months so you know in in that respect it's keeping long term rates kind of steady which is going to keep mortgage rates you know low or relatively low compared to what they would be given you know a tightening cycle so if we look at all that the economic growth trends you know they'll definitely be a little bit slower because you know the cost of lending is is going to go up, so the cost of capital is going to be higher. But we're not seeing you know the overall negative uh, response to be as big as it would normally happen.
2: Anything else other than interest rates that we could talk about economically speaking? You know I think that's the the one thing that's going on. You know I was talking with uh,
4: you know, Pat O'Hare this morning. You know it's basically everybody's just waiting to see what the Fed's going to do. I've been saying that for about a week now that you know, we should, they should just move the meeting up because there was nothing going on over the last seven days, and everybody wants you know to know what's going on. And everybody's anxious, and I and I think that needs to get done. I think that we need to find out what's on the Fed's mind. Is it now? Is it later? And then once we find out what's on the Fed's mind, what's it going to look like in the future? Are they going to you know can stay over and over again? That if we raise in September that things are going to be patient that we 're not expecting another rate rise you know unless the you know the data clearly suggests that it needs to happen, and in that respect, I would expect to see you know need to see inflation growth accelerating beyond where we 're at you know I think that they 're going to be looking at for go an upward move in the, in the core CPI back towards the 2 to 2.5%, two which is roughly what the Fed's target is when you compare it to the PCE numbers, which the Fed looks at. It's about a half a percentage point higher than the PCE numbers. So based on that respect, you know, I think that's the key. I think everybody wants to know what's on the Fed's mind and what's, what's next. Not necessarily what's going to happen today, because I think that it really doesn't make too much of a difference, but what's going to happen next?
2: Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. We're talking interest rates, and again, tomorrow's going to be the big day. And as he said, it's a coin flip. That's frustrating as all get up. Um, It's not what we want to hear, but it's what we get. Um, 800 516 1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800 516 1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. If you want to talk about the Federal Reserve, we can do that. If you want to talk uh Michael Jordan, we could do that. The iOS 9 is out. Uh, you can upgrade your phone later today um, and I'm staggering it a little bit, but um, something you should do, in my opinion, is always get the updates. Uh, give people a couple of days to tinker it out, but the efficiency tweaks make Apple's latest upgrade worthy, even some of them were borrowed from Google, Samsung, and Microsoft. Um, there's going to be uh, a little bit more Google Now in Apple's Siri so that it kind of suggests like, hey, yesterday you were driving home. Are you driving home again today? And then once you say yes, then it's it'll start predicting a lot of uh, decisions that can make your life a little bit smarter. So that's going to be a big thing this year is, uh, and when I say this year, I'd say over the next 12 months is getting our phones smarter to make decisions for us. So for instance, if you get an email that says you've got a conference call today um, or or tomorrow at noon, it could put it into your calendar for you um, and it can remind you. And if you have uh, a hotel reservation it could recommend maybe a restaurant close to that hotel. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial money, investing more. Thanks for listening. We'll talk soon.
1: Twenty KDO double and IHRT radio station. One, two, three, they gonna run back to me. Climbing over mountains and sailing overseas. One, two,
2: three, they gonna run back to me. Something about this voice. Love it. Anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. I like the smoky voice. Sonic Stock has been beat up a little bit. It's a fast-growing player in the fast food market. Investors are having a little bit of trouble digesting the company's slowing growth. It's a drive-in chain, which... Oof. I don't know. When it comes to investing, like... Warren Buffett once said something along the lines of, you only get, pretend to invest as if you only get 20 punches the ticket ever, and that'll make you a better investor. And I mostly agree with that. So do I like the name Sonic? Sure. Profits are on track. Um, Sonic told investors it plans to see between 2 to 4% growth from restaurants open at least a year. That's down from 7.3% same-store growth. That it saw last year, um, analysts are sticking by the stock, calling for it to be worth about $36 in the next 18 months. That's 40% upside from here. The company is pricey um, next to its long-term growth. But with that said, you know, to me, how many companies can you own? Um, I would be as picky as you can be. Now, again, that may be for you. You may want that 40% growth and get in and get out and trade. But um, anyhow, Syngenta announced a number of new products that it said have the potential to sell more than $6 billion. It's a pesticide maker. Uh, it's seen by some analysts as a way to soothe investors who are obsection of Monsanto's recent takeover offer. Comcast is going to begin selling Internet and phone services to businesses nationwide, even those outside its service area. GE has been added to the U.S. focus list at Credit Suisse, which cited a number of earnings catalysts, including the approval of the Alstom acquisition and acceleration in its asset divestitures. Elsewhere out there, consumer prices dipped in August. We've talked recently a lot about that. Um, SAB Miller trying to get hooked up with uh, a big merger, and anheuser uh, Bush InBev. What could be the year's largest acquisition? It comes amid renewed deal fervor with global mergers and acquisitions now on pace to the highest levels on record. $3.2 trillion of deals have been done this year, up 29% from last year. That's pretty impressive. Tim Cook was on Stephen Colbert's show last night, and he was asked about the self-driving car. And he kept pretty mum on the matter. He said, we look at a number of things along the way, and we decide to... Put our energies into a few of them hmm. we want a better answer so earlier this week uber ceo travis kalanick was guest on the late show and uh, colbert asked him about his company's push into the space he was a little less discreet than apple he said look google's doing the driverless thing tesla's doing the driverless thing apple's doing the driverless thing so he implied that apple's doing it apple's carplay system which basically converts a car's infotainment system into an iPhone, is rolling out in a big way this year as automakers begin to integrate the capabilities into their own vehicles. Tomorrow, Fed rate hike expected. Hewlett Packard said they're going to cut 30,000 jobs from the enterprise unit. That's a lot of people. Uh, For an old tech company, that's a lot of people. Uh, How old of a company is it? 75, 76 years? started in a garage in Palo Alto. Uh, it once was one of the dominant tech companies in the world, and now it's kind of a afterthought. Once again, warning you, you know, the, the bigger they are, sometimes they do fall. Sometimes it's hard. Oracle, IBM, and Lenovo all taking business from the PC market and printer market and enterprise market. Another reason to hate the Kardashian and the Jenners, they're crushing it at the App Store. They came up with some new apps that allow fans even greater access to the world of the Kardashian and the Jenners. Beyond their existing presence that's all over social media, uh, they're going to charge $2.99 for the apps. Um, if you get all four apps, it's an insane $142 a year. But that doesn't seem to be deterring people. A total of 891,000 people reportedly signed up for the four sites within the first 24 hours. If those numbers are correct, that would mean that the entire family of apps is on Pace tracking $32 million this year. Most of it's coming from Kylie. Kylie's got about 74% of it, Chloe 11%, Kim 9%, Kendall 6%. I guess the good news is that Kim's in the is in the decline. In the app world, 18-year-old Kylie Jenner is the undisputed queen of the family. Um, Michael Jordan, he became a billionaire this year. Thanks mostly to the image he created on the court and the business decisions he made off of it. So Jordan made $100 million in 2014. Wow, that includes endorsement deals and royalties. That is more than any other athlete, active or retired, makes it endorsements. It's also enough to rank Jordan as the third-highest-paid athlete in the world, behind only Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. Not too shabby, huh? His career earnings were $94 million. His earnings last year, $100 million. Not bad for a 52-year-old. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. You can find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. Thanks for listening. We'll talk soon.